Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper, and remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And I got to tell you something, people. Uh, something happened this weekend that really um, restored in my mind that there is wonderful people out there. The lovely Joanne was uh, at a Make-A-Wish event Saturday. She volunteers, and she was sitting there, and she was going to participate in a raffle. So she went to get her wallet, and her wallet was gone. So she thought about what happened, and on Friday, on Friday, she was at the bank, and she went and she got quarters and she put them on top of her car and then she, and she put her wallet next to it and then she got a phone call. And so something happened. The quarters fell on the ground. She went to get the quarters. She took off and the wallet must have been on top of the roof. So now she's freaking out because she's sitting there and she's doing a, a speech for a Take Back the Night event on uh, Thursday at a college near St. Louis. So she's thinking, my license is gone. I have to rent a car. And believe me, people, if you go to the DMV, out here in in LA. It's just, honestly, it's just awful. So basically on Sunday morning, she checked her email and in her junk mail, a person had found her wallet in Burbank, called her and she got it and all worked out. And they said, you know what? We all get a little single at times, but there's a lot of really good people out there. So anyway, that made me happy. And and my show today makes me happy because I have a great guest. She's not only a great actor, She's a, an excellent painter who's had shows in Los Angeles and Tokyo. She's written a children's book. She, she's a jack of all trades. My guest is Ioni Sky. How are you doing, Ioni? I'm great, thanks. How are you? I'm good. Now, now, has anything ever happened in the last like six months to a year that just made you sit there and go, you know, there's some wonderful people out there? Yeah, um, for sure. I mean, things, I guess, all the time. Uh, I don't know. I mean... Just that, like, my, my 14-year-old is in a, a play. She did a Shakespearean play, and, um, uh, you know, it wasn't, like, you know, an adult production. It was kind of, like, definitely teenagers. I don't know. Just my stepfather is very curmudgeonly, and, okay. like, and he just, it was just really sweet. Like, he, I mean, I guess he's biased, but he's not that type. Like, he really says it like it is. But I don't know. He was just so supportive with her, and that was really incredible. But as far as, like, big acts of doing things, I mean, I don't know. We have a really uh, elderly neighbor, and I'm starting to kind of a little bit become one of those nice people that helps people, you know, like, gets on. In L.A., like, in New York, and everyone's so busy, and if someone is lonely and old and they want to talk on the phone, like, it's just more, you know, people don't really do it when you're so busy. So I'm starting to try to be that kind of person myself like I have a friend who purposefully does that kind of thing like when she moves she finds out like where the old people are and she just helps them things like that so I'm hoping I'll actually become one of those people one day soon isn't that great when you do something I mean it's so great when you do something nice for people and so many times we forget that it only takes a little bit of effort like because you're right we're always busy and we sit there and go if we just sat there and talked to someone for like 10 minutes it's wonderful Yeah, it's so great. It's true. So I want to talk. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, go on. Go. I want to talk about your acting career, but I want to. I want to talk about the painting. When did you get into painting? Because I went on your website, and there's some really cool paintings. I like your style, and everyone knows you for acting. And it's so great when people branch out into something different. But I think you started painting at a a young age, right? Yeah, I mean that. I could say that that was pre-acting just my tendency was very creative, but also it was sort of more that kind of thing. Like I wasn't 
my brother was like the extrovert. He was always wanting to dance and sing and act and since he was a little kid. And I did in my living room, like I would put on West Side Story or whatever and after school run around and dance like we were in, you know, I loved musicals, but it was always just like in the living room. I never thought to do it professionally. And the painting and drawing was just something I did compulsively, like love drawing and then as a teenager got into watercolor and then when I was I was married quite young and I was renting a house with my husband next door to my mom which was interesting we had a rule like I could go there whenever I wanted but she had to always call before <laughs> she came over but she's the best but um anyway my husband was in a band and away a lot and I found I think someone gave me some oil paints and acrylics and I just started oil painting and I didn't know enough to I mixed you can't mix acrylic and oil and I was kind of mixing them and so I really just fell in love with the oil actually the oil paints and just I did my first few paintings and one of them I really liked and I just that was probably when I was like 23 or 22 and then I just started painting while he was in the studio recording an album I just started painting, you know, in between doing, you know, films and stuff, which was great. So what, when did you start really pursuing it, though? Because I know now, you know, you've done art shows and you have the website put up. I mean, that was that just recently or was that just something that you always wanted to do it, but you were busy all the time? I mean, I was I did have a lot of downtime, but I think what happened was I moved to New York. I separated from my husband and I separated, which was very sad, but I was it was really you know, I was so young and whatever. But anyway, he moved back to New York. He's a New Yorker. And then I kind of moved back. I mean, I didn't, uh, we, we were sort of back and forth, but I went to New York sort of following him in a way. And my brother was in New York again. And so anyway, when I was in New York, inevitably, my mind was thinking more like, oh, because there was like art galleries and, you know, New York's more of like an art dealer world than L.A., I mean, in a way, L.A. is also, but it may, put my mind into that, and I thought, wow, would I ever have a show? And I actually had someone who had a gallery come over and look, because I just had paintings in my, I would give some away, and I just had, my apartment was filling up with more and more paintings, and then this person, I can't even remember what gallery they represented, but said, well, you need to have, like, a series, but I can see if you do a series, you know, you can have a show. And uh, that sort of never came together at that time in New York. But when I came back to L.A., I, I don't know. I, I think I was asked to be in a, draw, a, a show for some of my drawings in a, in a gallery, which was a really cool show. And then Sophia Coppola and Kim uh, Gordon from the... Um, Sonic Youth. Yes, yeah, Sonic Youth. I was going to say Breeders for some reason. Uh, There was like this super duper cool show in Tokyo. That was the Tokyo one. And they asked me to do that. So it kind of like was like that. I never got a dealer or anything. But I'm always kind of hoping, you know, I'll go more legit. But I've kind of, in all my careers, I sort of like am still a little held back with pushing myself out there as fully as I probably could but i'm still young enough i can still do it <laughs> exactly but okay, you know what i mean so now now the, the acting now i know you, your, your father was a uh, a famous singer mm-hmm. and so you, entertainment and talent was born in your blood i mean you know it doesn't just you know it's it happens to certain people 
when you said you know as a kid you were you were more introverted and you were you know you do West Side Story at the house and stuff like that. But right. what when did you really decide that you wanted to f- pursue into acting? Well, my like I said, my brother was doing it, and I. He came home one day from school and said, I auditioned for this cool movie that, that's got a lot of teenagers in it, and you should audition for it. And I think what happened, I should ask him, actually. He and I were in the L.A. Weekly because my mom's friend was a photographer, and she took pictures, and we ended up being in this, like, story that she had taken pictures for. Not Just sort of, like, what to get people for Christmas. And right. we were, like, playing different. And it was just happened just that because she was a friend it wasn't like a job or anything but I think my brother might have brought that he was way more ambitious and savvy either the casting director had this from the LA Weekly somehow she put it together or he brought it because he and I were in it together and she said oh is that your sister she looks great for this type of movie as well because it was a certain look and um so she was just looking at everybody she could and anyway and so I went in for that and I was very scared to audition because I was you know, I just was afraid of, you know, failing, I, you know, classic thing. And anyway, I did because I was sort of unhappy in school at that point. And I really kind of pushed myself to sort of get out of where I was. But also, I loved movies and I loved creativity. But there was sort of two motivations going on. One was how fun this could be and what an adventure creatively and everything. And the other was just I sort of wanted a new road. Now, what were some of the movies you loved growing up? Because we all have different movies we watched. I mean, as a kid, what do you remember sitting there and going, God, I really I really dig that movie? Um, I mean, I loved, like, well, as a little kid or a teenager, I mean, there's so many. As a kid, I loved, like, I loved, like, Shirley MacLaine. Like, I loved, um, like, what did I love? I mean, musicals like Singing in the Rain and then... Um, I loved the Louis Mall film Pretty Baby, which probably was inappropriate for me to see with <laughs> Brooke Shields. Um, what else did I love? I mean, I loved all the, like, meatballs and all the comedies that were going on that were so great. Stripes, you know, that whole thing. Um, and then there was, like, the Z Channel was going on in L.A., which was basically like going to film school because you had all of these amazing, like, those black and white 60s English films like um, A Taste of Honey or all these sort of strange... Um, very good films that I would start watching. What else did I watch a lot? I loved Excalibur. I don't know if you remember that. I remember movie. that. Yeah. I mean, I was I was never into that genre really. I was like the yeah. meatballs and all. That, I love the comedies. Yeah, but, me too. But my whole life, I'd never been in even into the Star Wars. You know, people were like, I remember watching the first three. I mean, you know, fifty two. I remember when yeah. they came out. But I was never like fanatical about it. But I know friends who it's like they, they get mad at me. They're like, How do you not like? How did you not see the new Star Wars? I'm like, it's it's just it doesn't. Yeah, it's not I'm for me. Similar, like my husband's the same, but I'm yeah. I loved also being sort of I don't know if it's a girly sensibility, but I loved like a room with a view, and I loved all of those um, who made all of Angley. those. Yeah, all of those you know costume drama, but the uh, yeah, what was the the producer team that did all of those anyway? I'm forgetting. Yeah, I can't but, think of it. Uh, my husband's the same way, but I do remember seeing the first like five minutes of Star Wars kind of blew my mind. And I love like C-3PO and R2-D2, but I wasn't after the second one, like, you know, I just could barely watch them as, I mean, not, you know, I'm just, that's not my fantasy like road that I go down either. But, um, I mean, I like psychological, like, like I loved Twilight Zone. 
And I finally saw like the first few Star Trek. I used to see Star Trek a little bit, but it was very psychological and interesting, you know, esoteric. I kind of was like, that's really amazing. But I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm all over the place with movies that I liked. But well, that's, there are, yeah. that's good. We should be. That's, that that sure. makes it interesting. Now, okay, yeah. so, so you go for your first audition and, mm-hmm. and you didn't feel comfortable. Right. So what made you start going back? And then was it something in that audition that made you say, okay, I didn't feel comfortable, but, but this is what I want to do. I mean, how did you start going to more auditions when you were somewhat, you know, if you leave a first audition and you're a little bit frustrated, maybe the word, it, what made you sit there and go, I, I can do this? Well, it was just, it was a new world and it was really fun, as scary as it was. And I was a teenager and insecure teenager, which most are, but I was definitely not you know, I wasn't like, didn't get that thrill of being watched. It wasn't like, I liked that, but it was like, I was so scared of, you know, of the whole thing as well. Um, I think I just want, I thought it was really fun and fun enough to push through my fears. Um, And I was, you know, I was really, it really was a kind of new world, you know, and I, Liked, you know, I started traveling through working. Like, I did a mini series in Paris and in France, and uh, I like did a movie with my friend was River Phoenix. I was friends with him before this movie, but we we're in Chicago for probably over a month, and just all these sixteen-year-olds running around Chicago doing a movie. It was just like fun, you know. So I think that would. That was partly why, because I wasn't really, we weren't, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. My parents separated and my mom got a very minimal, you know, child support situation. So we didn't have tons of money, but that was okay. Like I didn't make a ton of money, but it was really just sort of, I didn't have to be in public high school anymore. And this was really fun, you know, and I I didn't get into the perks a little bit like back then in the eighties, you flew first class, even on smaller films, I feel like you they just there was just sort of more money so that was fun like I could I flew my grandma once for a press junket and she had never been and you know for sure like on first class and you know things like that I got a kick out but a kick out of it but I didn't start like paying attention to money until later on but anyway yeah it was just fun well you you were in River's Edge yeah which is I mean I, I and that was sort of I'd say in the beginning of like the indie, the indie stage, you know, now everything's yeah. changed where everything's an independent movie, but it's right. not. What was right. that like? Because I mean, that was probably a lower budget. You guys were all young. You were all newer actors. I mean, that must have been really refreshing and just a cool set to be on. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, it was like everyone was sort of excited because Dennis Hopper was in it. And like the, the cinematographer, this guy, Fred Elms, shot. Blue Velvet, and probably a lot of other films. And so it was an independent film, but with very intelligent, you know, people, intellectual kind of people. And, um, yeah, I guess every, you know, it just, how was it different? That was my first, so I didn't have anything to compare it to. But um, we, we definitely felt like, I don't know, we knew it was kind of dark, and, you know, Crispin Glover was in it, and he was sort of being really outrageous, and we were, like, really impressed by him, and also... Is he like that in real life? Is he just nutty? He's just... We were friends for a little while after. He's great. I mean, he's, you know, he's very out there, but he's just... He's a loving guy, and he's 
he opened my mind. You know, all these great kind of people in your life that sort of turn you on to things, and then, you know, he's got definitely a very fascinating mind. Um, yeah, it was just, that was my first film, so I was just sort of swimming in the newness of the whole experience. But it was, I, I was very, I realized that there was an, an there was like a higher level of kind of art going on in one hand. What's that like? I mean, you say, because you're young, it's your first film, and it has to be intimidating because, you know, you all of a sudden you're in front of a camera. It's a different kind of movie. I mean, did you just start learning on the fly? Because it's not like, you know, if you take classes or stuff like that, all of a sudden it's like, let's let's get this done. I mean, was it, what was it like for you? And did you learn quick? Oh, yeah. I mean, I was young enough. I was 15, so I could still truly play and get involved. And I think that even now is really, when you hear some of the greater actors, Duvall and Daniel Day-Lewis and Kate Blanchett, in some of their interviews when they talk about acting technique, they don't, they're, a lot of them just get involved in the situation of what they're, the illusion that they're playing and it's kind of like playing you'll hear that it's like a child's game and that means that you just get immersed in the story and you're not concerned with am I good am I funny am I interesting you're just totally serving the story and I think at 15 I was still young enough to kind of just get totally lost in what I was meant to feel and experience and of course there were scenes that I was more you're oh any movie you do there's or TV or whatever. There's always those few scenes that me personally or the actor personally has a harder time getting to. Like some people have a hard time crying. Some people have a hard time laughing. Some people have a hard time even feel like silly when they have to do a dancing scene or there's certain or when they're being tough or and some people naturally are good at those things themselves. But I feel like as actors, then. I have to just work that much harder to just serve the, the story. What am I supposed to be? What's accurate for the story? Because it's like, do you know what I'm saying? So, but there's certain things that naturally I was like, oh, this scene, I'm scared to do this scene. And then there are other scenes that I knew I, I, I would like it would be easy for me to do. Anyway, I do remember Roxana Zoll was in the movie and she had done like a lot of TV work and I was rushing because I was nervous. And she just said, just, you know, just slow down. That was one thing. And I, as far as, like, hitting the marks and all of that, I just was very, that was easy. You know, I don't know why. It just was like, it felt like a horse. You just tell them to go you know, there, like an animal. You just naturally just start hitting your marks. And I don't know, you remember what you're meant to do really quickly. So you, you get, you're learning your craft. You're in front of the camera. And now... Yeah. You get me a few movies, and now then say anything comes up. Which I'm now. When you was that a long audition process? Did they have lots of people up for the roles? And did you know that? I mean, everybody knows that movie. And if, if you're, I mean, if I talk to someone and they're over thirty-five and they've never seen say anything, I want to say, what is wrong with you? You know, what I mean, it's like it's like if you don't know, and even if you make a Lloyd Dobler reference. People, people you don't even know will go, oh, yeah, yeah, that, that. Now, right. when you auditioned, was that a long process? And it was that was a very big part. So, I mean, how did the whole introduction yeah. to Cameron Crowe and how that all happen? Well, I think part one of the things that tipped me off and were what tipped, got him interested in me was I was really good friends with Moon Zappa. And we used to hang out. Anyone who was friends with one of the Zappa kids <clears throat> was at the house all the time because... 
it just was one of those open households that you, you were just practically you'd be there just all the time. I mean, I was living there practically, but so Cameron knew them. He loves, obviously, he's a music guy. Not obviously, but if you know about him, he wrote for Rolling Stone, and he loves music and all of that. And he might have known my dad, and Moon kind of, like, put us together. And he came over, and we chatted. She was like, my friend's directing this really great movie. And and then I knew of Jim Brooks, because I think, like, Broadcast News had come out, and he was the producer. And I, like, really wanted to be in... I like indies, and I have that sensibility, but I, of course, not of course, but I wanted to be in, like, a big... American movie, you know what I mean? I, to balance everything out, so I was, I love that Jim Brooks style of filmmaking so much. And uh, anyway, so I went to audition, and and I just clearly remember that Cameron at one point said it was like two or three, re, you know, auditions. He just said you have to bring it up a notch, and I think what happened was what I do is when I'm like afraid. I pull back. It's more, it's like sort of I have to work on like, well, if I don't try hard enough, then I, if I don't try hard, then I can't get hurt. Almost like a street kid mentality. Like, I'm not going to give you anything of myself. But he was just like, push through that, basically. And then I did. And then I got the part. And then we spent the rest of this time pre-production trying to get John Cusack to sign up. No. Now, was that, a, was that a hard time to get him to sign up? Or, I mean, why wouldn't, I mean, because... Because well, he had done teen rom-com, you know, a lot, like Better Off Dead and all these movies, and he just saw this as another, that kind of film. And then Cameron just was like, look, you want to write your own bits? You can write your own bits. You want to make this more intellectual? You can make it more intellectual. Like, whatever you need. You know, I promise you this is not going to be... And, can you know, it's not going to be just some silly, like, you know hot dog, whatever movie, (laughs) which I loved when I was growing up, but you know, he didn't want to do that, and um, he was like, okay, cool, and he was, yeah, so he got to kind of put, sort of form his character with Cameron, and um, we just sort of wooed him by, like, inviting him over to my apartment at one point, I was in a duplex, and like, anyway, like, you know, just sort of hanging out with him, and just, you know, getting him into it. Now, what was it like for you? Because you're now you're the the you're one of the stars. I mean, that must be an amazing feeling because you still aren't that far into your career. I mean, you're still you know you haven't been acting in on screen for that long, and you're suddenly you're the girl on the poster. I mean, what right. what, what kind of feeling is that? And as a as someone young, because I think a lot of us when we're young, sometimes we if we get a certain accolade, we do get a lot, a little bit cocky. And it's just, it's nothing bad. I think it's just some people just do that. What was it like for you? Because all of a sudden, you know, you're that girl on the poster. I mean, how do you handle that? And how do you try to keep yourself grounded? Well, the the, the, the egos that got activated for me were more just good. I escaped. You know, like, I didn't really walk around. I still was as insecure as ever because I was, you know, still like a teenager. And I still kind of, was just so involved in my inner turmoil at that age. So I didn't feel, like, more confident, but I did feel like I I could sort of hide out somehow. Like, so that was sort of the unhealthy side where I kind of felt like I don't... Rules... I think that's why when they say, how does fame... How is it hard for people? How does it ruin their lives? Apart from the obvious that, like, certain people don't have privacy any longer... I think one of the downsides is that you feel you can escape um, a lot of 
inner challenges like you get this sort of free ticket somehow because you're not a normal person anymore you're not one of them so I think that that's sort of so I kind of I just like got a little flakier with my friends and I didn't really but it was more just for me it just activated oh I don't have to show up for my life that much now because I've I've done movies right that was like what happened to me a little bit but you know so because you know you hear actors or famous people retur- referring to other the other normal people the other people you know and right. it's like well, well I that? I used to do stand up comedy and we always called them civilians that was our term it was yeah. like hey, yeah they're the civilians they don't know what it's like you know so that's yeah funny. and meanwhile like I feel like there's a stunted thing that can happen to people who get a little celebrity if just not you know thinking that they can sort of ride over certain character building things that other people don't ride over you know so anyway I just think like there can be a bit of a stunting you know everybody's got their own things that get activated but yeah I wasn't like wow look at me it was sort of just surreal plus oh good I don't have to do a certain amount of work uh, on myself right (laughs) (laughs) so so when you're shooting it did you I mean did you ever think and I, I don't I mean if you if you're involved in something, you know, a lot of times you sit there and you you know it's good most of the times because you're involved in it. But right. did you ever think that it would become an iconic role? I mean, here's I'm gonna tell you something about your the say anything that, that affected me. And I'm I hated flying. And yeah. then for two years, my girlfriend before she moved out here was back east, so I was bi coastal. So I had to fly once a month. Yeah. And I always thought in the movie when you guys get on the plane and you wait to the emergency, the seatbelt, the, the bing goes off, then right. then you're safe. And that has stuck with me, no lie. I mean, I'm not yeah. a young kid, but yeah. I would sit there and I would, as soon as it got there, because I would be nervous, and then I'd hear that, and I'd be, okay, it's cool, we're all right. Did you ever think that this movie would just, when you were shooting it, did you think it would just be last for so long, and just something that people quoted, and, and everyone knows Diane Court, and everyone knows all that, I mean, what when when you were shooting it? What were you guys expecting? And and were you are you still fascinated that it, it's been so iconic? Yeah, I'm thrilled that it is because it's sort of for me. Yeah, it's good for me because I haven't done I've done things that you know everybody's got the movie that certain people like like random films that you think not many you know they say oh that's I love that movie and you're like really oh okay but yeah it's good for me because it's been. It's kept me, my, you know, name a little buoyant. But, and also just that people really like it. It's just nice to be a part of something that people really felt. Um, But yeah, we were, while we were filming, I mean, we had, that also had such sort of good people involved. Um, And it was just sort of certain points, like the whole group. I remember Lazo Kovacs was the DP of that, and he did like the last picture show. And if you looked him up, he's done like so many iconic movies, but he was sort of didn't know what he was filming. He's a Hungarian guy, but then they did this scene in out by the seven 11 or something where everyone's sitting around. It's John Cusack who brought all his friends from Chicago in to be in this movie. And Laszlo after that scene was like, I'm involved in a great movie. Cause it was like, they're all singing the like rap about Diane court. I don't know. It's like a funny scene with sort right. of comedic comedic actors so there's certain points where, you know, you think, oh, I'm involved in something good. And also just Cameron Crowe, while filming, this was his first movie, but he just had 
has that thing where he's it's like I don't it's not exactly confidence it's just you just feel like taken care of like I am on a movie with somebody who isn't gonna waver he's just he's he's warm open he he's passionate not afraid to be passionate you know what I mean so you just felt like Oh, and he was consistently that way. He didn't go up and down with, oh, this is the worst, this is the best, this is the worst. If he did, then he kept it very contained. So I think people just, he's, you know, the director creates, they're like the host of the party, and he just created this feeling like we're involved in something good. But I didn't know exactly, I was on the publicity tour with my mom in a, in a like a car doing the publicity tour in New York. The movie had just come out. I was like in a mood swing because I was, you know, seven, 18 years right. old and my mom is with me and I'm just, I was just grumpy. <laughs> it was raining. I was just like nauseous, whatever. And my mom kind of elbows me and I, I guess we were probably like ignoring each other or something silly. And there was Say Anything was out in the movies in New York and there was like a line wrapping around the block. And I was like, whoa, you know. So that surprised me. And it does surprise me that people are still into it, but I'm happy about it. No, how did your life change? Because all of a sudden you go from, you know, and thank God, I always just to sit there, you know, back then there wasn't all the social media, which I think is good and bad. I mean, you know, yeah. like I know you have your Twitter followers and it's good because you sent them to your painting website and that's right. great. But yeah. for, for young, for when you're young and there's Twitter, like everything you do gets caught i mean you know mm. it's 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 to me yeah. it's awful i'm like thank god this wasn't around when i was in college and i'm not a celebrity you know what i mean we all did stupid stuff but what was it like when all of a sudden people started recognizing you and you said you know growing up you were an insecure kid so that must be sort of a little bit freaky for you when you're an ins you're insecure because we all are and then people are coming up to you and recognizing you i mean how did you handle that the weird the weird thing is like i wasn't that like, I didn't get, like, that famous or I just had this built-in thing of just, like, going against it or something. Like, not out of insecurity, but just out of, like, for in that instance, like, I mean, I did expect if I went to, like, an opening of a movie that the paparazzi would know my name. Like, I sort of expected they would, but I didn't, like, for a while. And it's died down a bit, like you know what I mean, like, a little bit, but for sure, for a number of years, but I never got recognized that much, and I don't know if it was just, I don't know, and I kind of got married again, I got, well, I got, not again, that's when I got married when I was young, um, and I just, I don't know, I was like, I, I didn't really get, like, that super duper famous, so I, I don't know, I just, like I said, I just kind of, I got married and I kept working and I don't know what it is. I just, I didn't really, I just, I had a, a kind of low key kind of way about me, I guess. See, that's so, good though. That's, I mean, I, if, if I was a, you know, a celebrity and I was a, a known actor, I would want my life to be like that because yeah. it's great to be able to go places. Sure. And if it's great. Then, and then also that's how I say, it's always good to be able to get a table where you would want to eat and maybe yeah. get a free appetizer, but no one's going to bother you when you're eating. Yeah, like occasionally, like when I gave birth to my daughters, you know, there'd be a paparazzi. If I was on Bedford and, you know, anytime you're in Beverly Hills, you know, if I was, when I had my therapist or something, not every time, but occasionally there'd be a paparazzi who'd recognize me and I'd get my, or the farmer's market. Like there's, you know, I don't know if it's dying down, but they were loving the like 
what are celebrity babies like or something. You know, that might happen occasionally, but it was like so, you know, not all the time at all. Um, so I don't know if people, obviously if you're really super duper famous, like you can't avoid it. But I don't know if people like make it happen more or if you can control that, but whatever was happening with me, I just wasn't, you know, but I liked all the perks, you know, like if I could, I think I had the best. Like what were some of the perks? I got the, well, you know, this was through my husband, like free Adidas whenever you wanted in the 80s was amazing. Like a billion pairs of Adidas or <laughs> Levi's. Getting all the free stuff is great. And then you can give them to your, you know, cousin and this and that. That's fun or whatever, you know, or keep them for yourself. Um, you know, like getting into a club, like back when I went to clubs, you know, all these things, nice, you know, uh getting invited places if you want to go or not or you know of course if you get paid that's a perk that kind of thing getting you know what I mean per diem when you're working I mean now it's so different there's not that much money for for a lot of jobs but any you know some there are but I just did an independent film in New York and it was kind of amazing because there was no budget but they were really great about the way they took care of all of us was really nice what was the movie called it's called Holy New York, and it's with um, this Dominican actor, Victor... Well, yeah, he's Dominican, yeah, Victor Razuk. And he was in... I don't know if you saw um, Victor... What's the movie called? Victor Vargas, something Victor Vargas. He was in this movie that everybody went crazy for. And he's sort of up and coming. He's like in all the Fifty Shades of Grey, whatever. He's like an up and comer. He's great. And it's a good, I'm excited about it, I just finished it, um, and it was really, it was just a great experience. And every, I'm so kind of, my go-to is, oh, this is not going to be good, you know, because you've got that, like, demo-itis thing of, like, the you're attached to the last experience. Right. Or you're imagining this new experience is going to be just sort of dull somehow, or... And then inevitably you meet new friends and, you know what I mean, There's some, you know what I'm saying? It's like starting a new school. Well, how did, how did that movie come about? How did you get involved with it? And, you know, and it must be exciting to be in different projects that you find cool. Yeah, this was great. I mean, occasionally <clears throat> I, get, I get an offer a couple times a year, which is always so great because I keep thinking, oh, maybe, I don't know, I guess I've been more in the, like, Ne like half full negative side of things, which is sort of or realistic, but like, oh, maybe I won't ever get you know. I'll, I don't know when will I get another job. I guess every actor does that. Anyway, so this was an offer, and um, it was just a good one for me because I was playing at my age. I'm 45, and you don't often play a love interest any longer, or you know, this was just a different character for me because I'm kind of soft and ethereal, or. I can play concerned very well and all of this stuff, but this is like a, you know, like almost like a Anna Winter type character. It was really fun. And also I have this, you know, younger sort of romantic interest, which was sort of fun. And so it was a good, and being in New York is always great. Um, anyway, so it was a really, it was an offer basically. That's it. Now, now when you get an offer, is it, do you, are you very, specific when you look at the script I mean wh and what kind of script catches you I mean because you know it's like anything if you get an offer if it's not a good offer you're not going to do it I mean so yeah. what kind of what kind of a script 
catches your eye where you go, man, it's this. I mean, like you just said, the role you had was was great. But has there been other movies where your role's different and you look at it and you go, this is off type for me. This would be a good role. Yeah, like this one was good because it was a bit off type. But I mean, usually jobs, I feel like for any actor, it's either, you know, it might be a money job and the script's not like, if, if, you, if you're in my category, but, you know, it could be like a terrible location, but the money's so good. Meaning a terrible, like, there was one job in winter that was like in the middle of nowhere in Canada and long enough where I'd have to bring my daughter at that time, at that point because she was little. So it would have been really hard to, my husband would have parented her, but it would have been like a bad town, you know, not a bad town, but just not much going on um, for her. But anyway, like, but the money just wasn't good enough to warrant this like mediocre, you know, you know, whatever the scenario. But sometimes it might be. Like if, you know, I know I hate to say like I would do things for money, but sometimes it does work out. I And, and something like has to be, I don't know, just w- well enough written. And, and some, and like I'll get offered maybe horror movies sometimes. And, you know, that's just not, I don't know what that's giving to the world. Like as I get older, you know, you think also like, do I want to be a part of this? Like, there's certain things. Like, for example, my character smoked in this movie, and I would never want to, like, glamorize smoking in the off chance that it perpetuate, you know, encourage people to think, oh, that looks so cool. But my character was, like, also, like, a struggling kind of destructive character, so it made sense that I would be destructive. Do you know what I'm saying? You know, that was it herbal cigarettes. Or how do you smoke? Because if you're not a smoker, I mean, I, I, I quit smoking four years ago after being in a hospital with a heart problem. I said, you yeah. know what? I don't need them. And if someone said to me, you know, because I do a act occasionally, if someone said, yeah. you need to smoke, I would, if for the role, I would want to, but... Right. No, I'll what? tell you, because I was thinking, I talked to the director, because I just quit, and um, I didn't want to activate it again. So I said... Look, I know that they have cigarettes for actors, so I said I'll try. And if it's like if the herbal cigarettes are activating something, I don't want to do it. And she was totally cool with it, the director. And so I actually, I sort of asked, like the other actor who had the herbal cigarette, what is, is it like that? And they were like, oh no. And it's true. It's funny. I thought the action of just having it in my hand would kind of make me want to smoke, but herbal cigarettes are horrible. It just like immediately gives you. <laughs> A tickling sore throat. So then you're like, if you're neurotic at all, you're like, oh my god, I've got a sore throat. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, and it, it just didn't. It actually, funnily, you know, it just didn't. It, it didn't give the same thrill at all. So see, that was good to know. See, and then, yeah, no, and she cut out the smoking in a lot of them. Like, there's a lot of scenes that in the script I was meant to be smoking, and then when on the day we just were like, eh. Let's not put it in because it doesn't seem to make, you know, it's like only in there was a scene where I'm like drinking and, you know, it sort right. of went with the destructive whatever. Well, I think it's great that they're awful because I would think the same thing because, you know, for yeah. me, a lot of times the smoking, it, it wasn't the actually like, oh, I need nicotine. It was just yeah, yeah. the habitual feeling sure. like, oh, I'm sitting there, I'm having a cup of coffee on my patio, having a cigarette. And that's right. what a lot of it for me was. And that's once I got over that, I said... Ah, I smell a lot better. You know, I don't, yeah, I'm not exactly. spending all this money. Yeah, for me, it was like, I mean, of course, there's the health stuff, but it's also the other side is just like, I've, you know, that B12 
being sort of a slave and thinking you need something to help you through life, I just thought, well, in, this is like not going to help my internal growth if I can't, you know, if every time I'm doing something with a big feeling or even un, unaware of any, you know, just that I need a buffer or need something accompanying me. I want to learn how to like face everything, just try to see what it's like without that. So it's a really good growth experience i think now i'm gonna ask you another question about saying anything just because yeah. this is always on my mind uh the juke uh not juke the 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 boom box which i miss boom boxes i i, I, I love them so much they were just we used to go to the jersey shore and we would walk down with a boom box and it was yeah. so obnoxious playing blois they're called me and my friend mark esposito <laughs> and it was just cool and which yeah. probably looking back now it wasn't but no. now what was it like shooting that scene and how many times have people said to you or made references to in your eyes or made a Peter Gabriel reference? Yeah, a lot. <laughs> it's good. I mean, in the scheme of things, a lot. Um, it's so great. I mean, of course, it's all, you know, the smoke and mirrors of movies. Like, he shot that in a park on another day. Okay. <laughs> when I was doing my side of things, we were, like, in Hancock Park in a house, and someone, I think, Oh, no, I don't think anyone was outside even pretending to be him. It was just more Cameron and I in his room, and he played some music, and then I did the scene. But, yeah, we didn't know. I mean, Cameron, again, he was just so immersed in the story, which really helped give it that, like, importance. Like, to him, you know, it was a very big moment for Cameron. And so I think then it translated that this was a big moment. And also it was sweet because John Cusack personally had never fallen in love yet in his life. Okay. And he was nervous to say, like, I love you and pretend to be in love in the movie. <clears throat> and then during the filming, he had a girlfriend and he sort of fell in love for the first time. And it was like a, a conversation he and um, Cameron were having. Like, John Cusack was like, really? Do I really have to say I love you in this? I don't think that that is good for the story it doesn't and Cameron was like you have to <laughs> and he was and then it, you know he sort of understood the idea but um the song that Cameron wanted we didn't know this what the song would be yet and he wanted an Elvis Costello song do you know which one because I'm a huge Elvis Costello fan I know me too um maybe maybe Allison I don't know that but, makes sense yeah and he showed screen the movie for Elvis Costello who was dating Kat from the Pogues at the time, Kat or Kate, is it Kate or Kat? I don't sure. know if they're still together, but, um, and he passed Elvis <laughs> But the wonderful thing of that, because I, I love Elvis Costello, but is that the Peter Gabriel song is so much more correct for it because it's so earnest. It's one of those, like, because Elvis Costello is sarcastic, although he's romantic, Elvis Costello, he's got that, cool cynical thing right where peter gabriel it's just broad it's just like in your eyes you know it's like it's just like the light the heat you know it's just like out there so i think that that was nice for this movie because i think cameron's not cynical now is it true and this is you know you always hear rumors that when the John Cusack, when he shot that scene, was actually, I mean, you weren't there, but you would hear. Was he playing Fishbone? Someone said he was playing Fishbone. Oh, I'm sure he was. Okay. <laughs> he loved Fishbone. We saw, I, I knew them a little because at the time I was dating Anthony Kiedis from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and they, Fishbone, um, Filoni's Monster, the, the, um, 
I forgot this other band, but they, you know, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, they were all friends, and they were all, so we, you know, we knew those guys, but he was a huge Fishbone fan. Well, when you were dating him, what was it like being around that music? Because it was such a fresh time. I mean, yeah. it, it was a very beginning, I mean, you know, we think about the 80s and the music, you know, and that's like I just said when Prince passed away, I, that was my generation. I mean, I love David yeah. Bowie, but Prince was... You know, when I was in college, you know, in 84, you know, we listened to the Purple Rain. What was it like for you just being around this burgeoning music scene? Yeah, I mean, it was fun, you know, on one hand. Like, it was, you know, they were really, like, Fishbone were really good. And um, the Chili Peppers, I mean, that was just tricky because there was so much drug, you know, those guys, not all of them, but a couple of them, I mean, very you know, a lot of drugs, so for me at the time, I was young, and that was sort of, was like the the bigger thing that was, you know, heavy thing going on, but I mean, I wasn't, you know, I was just sort of, I wasn't doing heavy drugs, but I was like watching this whole thing, but anyway, so yeah, but on the other hand, even though that clouded it, it was really, it was, yeah, it was cool, it wasn't, like later, you know, I married Adam Horowitz of the Beastie Boys, and I could say that that was a little um, more fun of a scene for me personally, because maybe because there was less drugs, it was right. just more like marijuana, which was, you know, not as heavy duty. But so yeah, the drugs kind of clouded my experience just because it was kind of like heavy, and they were older. The Chili Peppers were that scene was a little older than me. But yeah, it was exciting though. I mean, I was I felt kind of nervous because it was post-punk. It had an vibe to it. Do you know what I mean? Even though like on one hand it looks like jolly sort of, but it wasn't that jolly. It was like kind of I don't know. It was it was cool though, but it had a vibe that was a bit you know heavy for me. Okay, that's cool. Uh, so yeah. now now I know you you now you were in four rooms too. Yes. Now, who was the director on your segment? Because that had so many great directors. Yeah, mine was Allison Anders. Who's amazing. Well, Tim Roth was in all of them, but Madonna and other great actresses um, in my one. Yeah. And then, but it was fun because they were sort of overlapping and all the sets were being built while the other one was being shot and like Quentin and, you know, Roberto Rodriguez. Like, it was sort of like crisscrossing each other. Everyone had their sets that they had built for their part. And then I think we also filmed at the Chateau, didn't we? I can't remember, but we definitely had a set for the interior, and then I think we used the Chateau for the exteriors. So it was, it was fun. Yeah, that must have been great shooting with, I mean, once again, and that was an innovative movie. I mean, you've, you've been involved with some innovative, cool stuff. Totally, I know. It's fun. And, the, of course, the more that t- when time goes by, things become more like wow you were there you know what I mean like you you know it's sort of at the time sometimes you're aware but um sometimes you're not aware that you're in in the middle of a big scene depending on how big you know that when I was married to Adam Horvitz he had already become a big band whereas like with Anthony the Chili Peppers were just a local band okay now now you've worked with some great directors um, who are some of the directors that you would have loved to work with or in the, or in the past, you know, and it may be passed away by now, or someone that you would love to work with in the future? Well, I mean, Woody Allen was always, when I was a kid, I don't know if it, I mean, I loved Woody Allen movies, and I don't know, like, 
I just would have loved to work with him. Um, so probably still, I don't know. It's so complicated with all of his personal life. Right. But um, if you'd asked me 20 years ago, I would have said Woody Allen for sure. Um, Jane Campion, just I loved the female director because also being a woman would have been, been nice. Um, I mean, gosh, you know, I mean, I guess everyone says like Scorsese and I mean, there's so many, boy, there's so many that I would um, love to work with. Uh, Terrence Malick. Um, ah, there's so many. You that, know? that must be great. Though. I mean, to just have that feeling. That, that no, plus, knowing that you have worked with great ones. I mean, a lot of people go through their career who never get to work with a Cameron Crowe or an Alice Yeah, like M- Mike Nichols. I mean, now they're getting older, or Mike Nichols passed away. <laughs> they're yeah. older or no longer around. Now, um, oh, yeah, there's so many. I could go on and on. But now, yeah. now, as you know, as you get older and you're still acting. Do you think the, I mean, because you always, I've, I've had a lot of, uh, I call them actors, female actors. I don't call them actresses. Yeah. I don't like that uh-huh. term. Yeah. But do you think the roles, I mean, they always say the roles are diminishing. Do you think things are starting to change now because there's more of an awareness about how Hollywood is very white male driven? I mean, you know, you see it like guys who are 60, their girlfriends in the movies are 30. You know, it's like, do you think it's it's getting better now? And do you think it will take an upturn for women who can play a good part that they deserve and not give it to someone younger? Yeah, I mean, I think always the, like, you know, it's not even or fair, but there's always the great actor. Like, Meryl Streep will still play a love interest even now. And, like, Kate Blanchett's getting older, and she'll play a love interest. So all these, like, ones that are becoming, like, iconic or are already iconic, I think they'll... Hollywood will accept or the audience will accept them being a love interest. But yeah, Europe, you know, look at like the girl with the dragon tattoo, the European version, the lead, both the leads are like much older and not necessarily like the perfect looking person. And then the American version is much younger and just beautiful version. So America's definitely, you know, they, they, they like don't have that open mindedness as much as like say Europe, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like for for women or ra- other races, any time there can be roles that aren't, you know, just stereotypical, it's good. Like for girls and women, like they, they, they're not just chick flicks or, you know, any time there's a, a movie that women aren't just like, you know, being your, you know, your like stereotypical or whatever, or for the, you know, as well as other races where it's just like, I don't know, like that has to be a part of it. Right. It has a certain things that are involved with being a woman or being in a certain culture possibly. But yeah, I don't know. It's like on one hand, I feel like highlighting how, how bad it is for women is like not good, but it's at the same time we need to kind of, you know, to see the reality as well. So so you act, you paint, and and you wrote a kid's book. Yeah. How did that come about? Well, yeah, I love writing. um, And I love, yeah, so I I sort of wrote, I I love, like, so my grandpa, on my mom's side, my, you know, we're Jewish on my mom's side. And I love my grandparents. I was really, really involved with them. I loved old people. Like, my first poem I ever wrote was called Old People. And, um... (laughs) Uh, so I'm trying to get back to that mentality again because I've become selfish 
but when I was little, I had all this patience for old people, and I love my grandmas. Anyway, I always loved Yiddish. I, not that I speak Yiddish fluently, or my they they had it. They didn't speak fluently, but you know, in New Yorkers and New Jersey and whatever, the Jewish communities had a lot of Yiddish. I'm from a Jewish so neighborhood I, in New Jersey. I, I know. You know what I mean? So. I just thought it was fun, and I wrote this little story about me and my brother and my grandparents. And Ben, my husband, who's so great, because he just was like, he's so great at just like doing stuff. He just said, why don't you try to get this published? And I was like, how? And then he said, well, I'm with William Morris. I'm me, I'm not, but my husband is because of being a musician, the literary part department, or there's a department for, you know, musicians for me doing musicals, you know, that kind of thing. So you're represented in case you start doing a musical. Anyway, and so I just called someone. I sent it over. I got a pub publisher right away. And it just sort of, and I got, I draw, but they got an illustrator who does children's books because it's a different style. And it just kind of happened, like, pretty smoothly, the whole thing. And that's great because it's, uh, it's called My Yiddish Vacation. Yep, and it's on Amazon if anyone wants it. Now, how'd you come up with the title? That was the working title, and we just, no one could come up with anything else. So it just stuck, because it wasn't, we just tried out different things, but it just, you know, it's one of those things, like if you're naming your dog, and you're like, I'm going to come up with a better name, and just, or, you know, morphs into something. This just like, just the working title just stayed. Now, back to the painting, because we only have a few minutes left. Yeah. Um... Now, how often do you paint? And then, and you know, and, and your website is is ionyskypaintings.com. Yeah, I mean, in, yeah, ionyskypaintings.com. I, I like I'm working on something now daily. I'm working on it. Um, so, I'll, yeah, if I'm working on something, I'll work on it every day, and then I might finish it, and then there might be a pause until I think of something else to paint. But I'm sort of, you know, I've got an idea after this one. But, uh yeah, it ebbs and flows. I'm trying when I'm not acting to, I mean, I'm in my old acting class, but I'm trying, and I've got kids, so that's very full on, and of course your own personal life, take trying to take go to the gym and all of that, but I try to either be like writing something in, in the hopes of maybe developing it, or painting. So I'm always trying to, I'm not like a big heavy worker of hours and hours, but I'm always trying to kind of have something I'm working on while I'm not acting. Now, do you have a certain place where you paint? Is like, do you have your painting room or do you just get inspired and maybe go outside or how do you, uh, you know, yeah. go after that craft? Yeah, I have a shed. <laughs> that is like my <laughs> painting shed. And when it's too hot or too cold, there's no heat in there. I, uh, or when it ends up getting filled with like sleeping bags and, you know, I end up kind of being pushed. But I used to just paint, we have a big kind of open, very light with a skylight kitchen. And oil paints, oil paints, like, it was good until my second daughter, but then she always would see me paint and then want to paint. And, like, oils are not really good for kids, I guess. You know, they're not healthy. <laughs> so I was just like, ugh, I can't do this in here. But now I'm doing, like, a watercolor. While it was chilly, I started, I went back indoors. But, yeah, once the weather gets, like, you know, which is almost all the year round in LA when it gets a little nicer, which is now I'll go back and do oil in the shed. Now, what was it like doing, having an art show in Tokyo? Oh, that was heaven. I mean, I had been to Tokyo on tour with like the Beastie Boys, which was also super fun, but this was for me, you know, this is something I was doing. So it was super fun. And Tokyo is like, 
one of those cities like Paris where not everyone thinks it's cool, but you know, you just feel like this is so great. Um, and Sofia Coppola had friends. And so, you know, I felt very like grateful to be in, in get to sort of see what it would be like to be sort of really in, in Tokyo a little bit. Um, and yeah, of course the, the thing about Japanese or Asian cultures doing things more meticulously, I think Japan has that sort of persona is true. Like the way they lit and hung this art show was like so nice when you're the artist. It's like they took such good care. Um, yeah, it was just great. It was super fun. Now, will you be doing art shows out here in, in the future? Do you, is that something you want to pursue a little bit? Yeah, I'd love it. I just, um, I did... I did one uh, sort of at a hipster sort of hotel that has gallery shows and stuff and p- photographs like, man, eh, it was a, five years ago now, but that was sort of the last thing. Um, yeah, I would, I'd love it. I just have to, like, I keep selling my work like one off, you know, one at a time. So I have to really do that back to what that person said in New York, get a series together. Now, so, the movie you just shot in New York, do you know when that's going to come out? And what was the title again? I'm sorry. Yeah, Holy New York, um, which is a reference to an Allen Ginsberg poem or something. But holy, like, as in, like, you know, H-O-L-Y, New York. And I think it'll definitely, you know, she, she, you know, she'll want it to be in, like, Tribeca. I think the Tribeca Film Festival just happened, so that would be a whole year from now. But, yeah, I think it's going to go the festival route. Um, but, you know, they edit things, like, while you're filming these days. So it's going to be put together pretty quickly. But, yeah, I, I, I hope soon. I kind of really want to see it as soon as possible. But I guess it'll come out whenever she'll try to get it into some big festivals. So I don't know. There's no date yet. And uh, is anything else coming up? Any roles coming up for you? Well, there's. I did a short film that Chloe Sevigny directed that's going to be in the Cannes Film Festival coming up called Kitty, K-I-T-T-Y. So that was a fun project because Chloe Sevigny, it was her first directing and, you know, that was nice. Um, and that's sort of it, this movie and that. I think that's the lot, That's the only other things coming up at the moment. Well, cool. I, I, I want to thank you for taking the time to come on. Sure. Um, give, My pleasure. Give all your uh, social media stuff, please. Oh, yeah. So the, um, let's see. You mean like Instagram? Yeah, and Instagram. Twitter, and I know the website is Ioni Sky Paintings. Go to yes. that, people. Okay, so um, my Twitter is Ioni Sky One, and my Instagram is, I'm so old that I'm looking at my <laughs> things. <laughs> my Instagram is Ioni Sky Lee, I O N E S K Y E L E E. Well, so that was what Instagram and Twitter yeah, and ionyskypaintings.com. So people check her out. Also, people uh, follow me on Twitter. It's at Cooper Talk. That's at Cooper Talk. I tweet a lot. I tweet some funny stuff. Um, right. Also, go to my website, people. It's uh, coopertalk.net. I have 503 episodes up there. A lot of great guests. And now that I'm doing it mobile, I mean, not mobile, remotely, I'm going to have a lot more guests that I have unbelievable access to because I can record from not just the studio in Burbank and email me at cooper at coopertalk.net go to my Instagram coopertalk1 
Worse with friends. No lie. I like playing it. That's my new addiction. Get me at Cooper Talk One also. And go to StopTheSalt.com. That's the cookbook I wrote after I got out of the hospital. It's low-sodium cooking for one. 120 recipes. You can get it at BarnesandNoble.com or Amazon.com. But if you get it at StopTheSalt.com, I make more money and I'll sign it for you. So please go to IonisKyPaintings.com. Follow her on Twitter. Follow her on Instagram. Follow me on Twitter. Send me a message on my new Facebook page, Cooper Talk Radio. And remember, I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guests. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins, and I will talk to you guys next week. Woohoo!